Attention architects and creative minds, get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul, uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this episode. BQE Core is the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Learn more at bqe.com. Context and Clarity has been called a community-based pro-practice masterclass for architects. It's awfully high praise, but since we began this journey back in April of 2020, we've certainly grown into a community of small firm architects, all focused on what matters most to their success. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm that's dreaming of going out on your own, or you've owned your own firm for 26 years. There's something here for everyone. And that's where you come in. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Context and Clarity Podcast. Every week, we have a conversation with an expert or a thought leader on things that matter most to the success of architects just like you. Then we go backstage with someone from our community and we talk about what we learned, what our biggest takeaways were, and how we're going to apply what we heard to our own businesses. In this episode, we talked with Gloria Cloder. She's an immigrant, a woman, a mom, and an architect. She's the founder of Glow Architects and now the author of The Architecture of Motherhood. I thought our conversation with Gloria was refreshing in a way. We focus a lot on, and and we need to focus a lot on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the architecture profession. And I think Gloria's approach is wonderfully simple. It's really all about her sharing her story so that others who are coming up behind her on a similar journey can learn from her experiences. Gloria is incredibly warm and sharing, and she really does serve as a mentor for women and moms who are architects, parents who are architects for that matter, and architects who have immigrated to the United States. As usual, Catherine McPhail joined me for the conversation with Gloria Cloder and backstage afterwards. 
Catherine is my co-host, and she's an architect and podcaster from Arlington, Massachusetts. In addition to context and clarity, Catherine hosts Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven, and she's the CEO of Demios Architects. As always, I'm looking forward to talking about our takeaways from the conversation. So let's go backstage and listen in as Catherine and I talk about our conversation with Gloria Cloder. So what did you think about our conversation with Gloria? Well, the first thing I thought was it was, it's an important conversation. You know, I, I said this earlier in the week, I, I'm glad that our, uh, our format has evolved and, and this was quite a while back, but it evolved into uh, a setup where we talk the entire week about the theme that we'll talk about with our uh, Context and Clarity live guests. So uh, Gloria is an advocate for women architects and foreign architects and, of course, mothers in architecture. And all week, we've been having these conversations that re revolve around this, right? You know, how do we better support women? How do we be better support parents and foreign architects and foreign architecture students? And I think this is another one of those weeks where we've had some really important conversations um, as they relate to may maybe the culture of the practice of architecture. Maybe that's the way to say it. But I was, you know, more specifically about the conversation with Gloria. I really enjoyed hearing her story um, and, you know, get, getting getting the real, the real live human being, right? The real person. And understanding her passion for helping mothers and 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 other people that that are coming behind her, you know, in a similar journey to her own. What did you think? Well, I agree that there are issues with being a woman in architecture. And, you know, 25, 26 years ago, I had my first child and I was pregnant in graduate school and then trying to get a job, being pregnant and all the rest of it. And as I said to Gloria, after we talked, uh, that nobody really talked about it then after, you know, in the after recording phase, we talked about how 1996, that was just the way it was. Like, you can't get a job. Well, it's too bad. Like you shouldn't have gotten pregnant basically is, was the idea. So, and that's basically the way I felt as well, because I accepted that because I was going to be a mother and be I, I was going to have a different path. So I ended up starting my own firm at that time just because I needed insurance, as we all know. So, um, so I mean, we do what we have to do. And a lot of women drop out. And I know that they do. And the other day, there was somebody at my house who said, I was an architect, but I got out of it or I escaped or something like that to work in real estate. So she now she she kind of helps get how get the houses ready for inspections and other things. So she's kind of on the more technical side of the real estate team. But, you know, the way she said it was that she escaped like it was a good thing, like she got out in time to have a real life. Yeah, it definitely has to do with the culture. And I'm glad we're talking about it now. I'm kind of tired of talking about it in a way because I'd rather see things change than just talk about it. But I mean, the first step is talking about it and everybody acknowledging that that's not okay the way, you know, the way it is. So it's getting better. Yeah. Well, you know, to that point, Gloria, she, I think at that, when she said this, I think she was talking about the women in architecture committee for uh, AIA Tampa Bay, but 
she said that their goal, their stated goal when they started out was to, um, to get to the point where they would disappear, meaning that you didn't have to talk about women in architecture anymore. It would just be architects, you know, and that, that it would sort of normalize it. And, and I, I absolutely think that's the goal, but going back to your example with, with the woman that escaped, this is, and, and, you know, in my mind, of course that applies to women and, and especially in that specific context that you mentioned, but what does it say about a profession when people say I escaped or they're a recovering architect or you know, something like that. What does that say about our profession? I mean, I guess that's sort of the opposite of what we're talking about today and what we talked with Gloria about, but I think that's something that we really need to wrestle with and, and figure out. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a big philosophical thing, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, what Gloria said, she's totally right that, that the pandemic really helped with the flexibility of working from home. The one thing I can tell that is positive in a way, we prove to companies that we can work remotely and be as efficient as if we are in on site, in person. It doesn't, my point is, we didn't have that before. We, it was hard to prove to employees, uh, and yeah, employers, sorry, employers that, that, you know, we can make this work. It doesn't have to be that I'm eight to five in the office to work on your project and still deliver on the deadline. Um, I think now we can have that conversation a little bit more open because of these two years, right? And I think people are starting to be more um, open to discuss those possibilities. The fact is that we can work from home at least half the time, let's say. So that does allow women to have more flexibility. And if the women are the ones who need to be home because the child is sick or whatever it may be, and I'm married to an architect. So because we were both at the same school, getting out at the same time, I've, I've during our marriage, always kind of looked at where he was in his career and what he was doing and then what I, where I was in my career and what I was doing. And for some reason, we just culture, I was the one who was the primary caregiver for the kids. So looking at what was happening to my career, being the primary caregiver and his career, where he didn't have any of those types of encumbrances and not to call my children encumbrances because, but they, you know, it, it does kind of throw a wrench into as, as, do, as do a lot of things. And I know that, that fathers, a lot of fathers also have parental duties. So I'm not saying that, but it's just you know, the fact is that kids need to be taken care of, they get sick, they have, you know, concerts and things that people were talking about being able to take time off to participate in their kids life. And it is it is an issue. And I always saw architecture offices is not something that I could be part of because I wasn't ready to work 60 hours a week and be away from my family and have that be my priority and somehow find someone to take care of my child who's, you know, it's a fever, or whatever, nobody really wants to take care of a sick kid. Actually, they can't go to daycare and, you know, anyway, there are lots of issues and the flexibility now, I think seems so, so much better, but I'm only hearing about it. I'm not living it. I mean, I live my own flexibility that I created, 
I, th- I think that's important though. I mean, you were able to create that flexibility. And I think it's important for, for people to know, right? If, if they're in the profession and they don't want to escape, if they want to continue on, but they run into even Gloria, you know, part of her story was she was working for a firm. She had her daughter and her project manager needed her to come back full time into the office and, you know, and that, that didn't work. Right. So, um, you know, even, even part of her story is I went out on my own to have that flexibility, you know, even, you know, late pandemic or post pandemic, or I don't, I don't even know at some point, somebody's going to have to assign dates in, in architecture school. We had dates, right. You know, here, here are the dates on this particular period or from here to here. At some point, somebody will look back and put dates on all of this. But yeah, exactly. But I, I think it's important for somebody to understand, you know, for instance, Melanie, when we were on on Clubhouse yesterday morning, Gloria joined us in Clubhouse, which was uh, which was wonderful. And she answered some questions. And, and Melanie is at that point where she's, uh, her question was about starting your career while starting your family. And, you know, again, I I think it's important for people to understand that if you feel like you're in a situation where you can't work for this, you know, whatever it is, that you can create your own flexibility. But one question I have is, is that really the way that you should have to go? Obviously, I'm, I'm in favor of it, right? This is, that's the flexibility that I live as well. I'm not a mom, but I, I have created and lived that same flexibility. It's the, it's the parent, you know, it's the extension of that. It's the parent version, not the mom version, but, but, um, but I, I still come back to that question. Should it have to be that way? And, you know, I, with what you just said and with what Gloria said and what we've talked about a lot, frankly, over the last couple of years is no, it shouldn't have to be that way. Um, there are some firms that are much, much better about flexibility. I think back to Diana Nicholas that we talked to November, I think, of 2021, and um, uh, Sam Architecture, and they use a term called radical flexibility. I love that. You know, I love the fact that there are firms out there that are really grasping taking a hold of, learning from, and executing on what we've learned the past couple of years, I guess. There, there's, there, there will always be some that don't get it. Right? That's true. Yeah. I'm not sure architecture is the only profession where we have this issue either. I mean, I think a lot of... No, it's not. It's definitely not. Let's take a quick break to share more about our sponsors. Systems and Standard Operating Procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom that you want. You need systems and procedures, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need the most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love to do the most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant, Douglas Teeger, FAIA, to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to becoming managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so that he can do what he does today, 
helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com slash masterclass. And then start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com slash masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free. It's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and your people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com slash masterclass. That's bqe.com slash masterclass. And now let's get back to the conversation. One of the things that came out for me in the conversation with Gloria was there, there are people like you and there are people like Gloria and others that have already lived and, and obviously continue to live the experience that are out there and becoming more and more visible and more and more known and more and more networked and so on and so forth. So similar to Gloria's story or Graciela Carrillo a few years or, or a few weeks ago, where there are people coming up on a similar journey. It doesn't have to be the same. Gloria's from the Dominican Republic. It could be a young woman from Italy or you know, pick, pick a country doesn't matter, but they can look at it and go, Oh, well, Gloria started in one country. She was an architect. She moved to the United States, had, had, had to navigate her way through the processes and in the United States and learn these things. And, and she became a mom and all of those things. And I think that's also the, the good news is that someone could reach out to Catherine McPhail and say, how how do you navigate this? You know, how do you create this flexibility? Gloria talked about mentoring a little bit, and I I think that may be one of the most important thing. One maybe one of the most take important takeaways from our entire community. When you come first, you might not know anybody to you know make them your mentors, but when you start, you know networking and meeting people and getting involved with communities like these and others that are available out there. I think reaching out to people and asking questions and understanding what is the strength of each person that you know. So, you know, whenever you have questions about this or that, then you go to this person versus that person is one of the things. There are people out there that you could simply reach out to and say, listen, I'm following a journey similar to yours. Could we talk? Yeah, absolutely. I need some help. And they definitely should. I mean, I think that's one reason we all tell our stories or aspects of our lives, whatever they may be. So that when you hear somebody say, I, you know, I had to start my own company because I had kids. And then you, you could reach out to that person and ask them about it. And I'm sure they'd be happy to talk, you know, whatever it may be. 
you know, there was this one part I want to go back to where she was talking about that being part of that group in Tampa and um, the women architects and how she likes to be called a woman architect. And um, I know there's some women who are kind of, even, I think older than I am, kind of a half a generation older than I am, who don't want to talk about, don't want to differentiate themselves from the men and don't want to talk about any issues they've had and just don't want to acknowledge it because there's no point in that. I am not in that camp. I acknowledge it. But at the same time, I'm okay with being called a woman architect if we call men architects, men architects. You know, like I'll go with woman architect if you go with man architect <laughs> or female male architect. I mean, the thing is, if someone's talking to me and I say I'm an architect, I, I present as a woman. So I don't really need to say I'm a woman architect. You know, there's I can't imagine any instance where I need to say I'm a woman architect because I have a feminine name. So if I'm just writing to someone, you know, there's I don't know. I do think that just makes it kind of perpetuates the um, idea that it's unusual. Yeah, I, th I think so. And then I, I've mentioned a couple of times this week that I'm, I'm uncomfortable with the way that, you, you know, I've set up the topics for the week because I'm not sure it's really the right way to do it. And, and w one of the things that came out of that, as you were saying, is, is Gloria said, Hey, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with saying woman architect. If she's fine with it, that's fantastic. But it's still, to me, uh, I appreciate you know, Gloria throwing that, that olive leaf out there, but, but it still bothers me because if we say woman architect or foreign architect or, you know, whatever term, it's, it's just, it's setting up an otherness. Yeah, it is. So, which I don't, I don't like, but at the same time, I do want to say that I appreciate that women who are architects get together and support each other because we do have different issues that we come across and then maybe male architects do. So I don't mind being part of groups that call ourselves women architects, whatever. I went to a women's college and, and I, I think women learning together and supporting each other is really important, but I just don't want to be called a woman architect because that means I'm not hundred percent an architect. I'm a woman architect. I'm like a flavor of architect. I don't like that. I mean, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate for a second. I mean, if, if saying woman architect is what it takes to normalize this idea that, hey, women can be architects, which is sounds bizarre even coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Seriously, women can be architects? That's happened for an awful long time now. Um, but if that's what it takes to normalize it, you know, okay. But okay. Um, I agree with you, but I don't like it. I don't have to like it though. No, I, I, don't, I don't either. I, you know, I guess it's getting better all the time. And as generations pass, well, I don't know how to put this, but as we go by in the generations, I think it'll be better just on its own because I don't think there's a lot we can do to change um, some people who already have established viewpoints on the matter. Well, there's 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 plenty of people you're not gonna you're not gonna change. I mean, there's I think you have to look at. Unfortunately, I think you have to really look at motivation and, and there, there are plenty of people out there that have zero motivation to change the w way they think about or, or act on things. And sometimes I wonder, right, if, we, if we're striving for equality, and I think this is exactly to your point maybe, but if we're striving to equal, for equality, does that actually limit us? And by that, I mean, 
if if I'm trying to be, you know, I'm I'm aiming for this target here, but but w- what if there's something beyond that? As we were talking with Gloria, she mentioned she mentioned reading Chad Diamond's book. It's called The Pathfinder: The Journey of Becoming Yourself. And as you were talking about that equality and and everything, it made me think because I, I, all I did was read the the Amazon summary of of his book, and it's it's talking about basically living out your own uniqueness and when you when you were talking about that it reminded me of reading that summary because i think okay if if it's if we're striving for equality does that limit our own uniqueness if if equal means this but you're capable of this or your passion goes here or whatever yeah i i, don't, I wouldn't i wouldn't want to see you strive for equality or 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 even help you get equality. I would rather help you achieve that other thing. Well, I'll have to read his book, Living Your Own Uniqueness. I mean, that sounds pretty enticing. I'm looking forward to reading Gloria's book. I'm I'm really glad that she wrote it. I'm glad that people are interested in reading it. I mean, I just think there's a lot of progress bring, being made. And I'm I'm happy to see that. I'm glad that she's willing to share that story and, and others. And I would encourage everybody out there, think about sharing your story because you don't, you never know, you never know how your story is going to resonate with somebody. Sometimes we can feel that our story is maybe not interesting or worth to tell. Uh, It's like when you think about, you think about it that way of you know why will anybody will want to read about what I went through my story like who I am like who knows me you know I'm not I don't know J-Lo or something like that people like this famous person right um but what I what I've learned is that when I was going through the process as I mentioned this morning with I believe was Melanie her name right um those doubts about I am very ambitious about my career, but I really want to become a mother. Like, is this the right time? You know, Um, and what what will this mean to me in my career if I make that step? Um, I got to talk to people who were encouraging and people that were not. And if I wouldn't have talked with those who were encouraging, I don't know if I will have had the courage to actually start on it. I felt that it was kind of my my duty to to say, hey, if anybody else, anybody else in the United States that around the world feels this way, this is something you should read and, and, and know. And, and, you know, knowledge is power. You can do whatever you want with that knowledge, with this information, but at least it's in your hands and then you can move forward from there. It's not just about sharing a story is what are people going to get out of that story? Is there, is there a learning process? Is there this golden nuggets that they can take on? Sometimes you can read an entire book and most of the book might not necessarily apply to your situation, but if there's one single scene that you can take out of that book, then it was worth it. You know, there, there's somebody that'll read her book, which comes out for pre-order, well, it comes out for pre-order probably before you listen to this May 13th. But um but it it's important to share your story because there are even though your story 
is unique. There are others that are coming behind you in a similar path that will find some sort of resonance in in your story. And I think that's really true for all of us. And I would encourage everybody to to think about that, uh, like Gloria has for the architecture of motherhood and like like others do. There, there are people that will find value in your story somehow. So don't be afraid to, uh, to tell it. Don't be afraid to share it. It, it may help somebody in ways that you'll never know. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com slash masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Well, what did you think? Did you hear something in there that you can use in your practice today? If you were so inspired by this conversation that you'd like to watch the entire Context and Clarity Live episode, head on over to the Entree Architect YouTube channel. There's a playlist there that has all of the full Context and Clarity Live episodes. And if you want more of the Context and Clarity podcast delivered to you every week, give us a thumbs up and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts. If you like content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And one last thing before you go. If the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you, join me over on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. We'll be back here again next week. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context is. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. 
The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us? Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.